More and more countries around the world are seeking alternatives to the US dollar, the global reserve currency that has dominated the international financial system since the end of World War II. And it's not only countries that the United States targets with its very aggressive foreign policy, countries like, for instance, Russia or Iran or even China. In fact, even longtime US allies are trying to hedge their bets. They're diversifying their international trade and experimenting with using other currencies. And they're also diversifying the foreign exchange reserves, their central banks hold. And a good example of this is Saudi Arabia, a country that for decades has been one of Washington's most loyal allies in the Middle East, or a better term is West Asia. What we've seen is recent reports in the past few years that Saudi Arabia is considering selling its oil in other currencies. Of course, Saudi Arabia is one of the world's largest oil producers. And specifically, the Chinese president, Xi Jinping, announced that China is talking with Saudi Arabia about buying oil in China's currency, the renminbi. And this has very much angered the United States. So there have been reports in the U.S. media, specifically in the newspaper The Wall Street Journal, this August 2023, revealing that Washington is pressuring Saudi Arabia as part of a series of diplomatic negotiations and trying to force the major oil producer to price its crude only in dollars, not to experiment with selling its oil in other currencies. The fact that this is even up for debate represents the profound geopolitical and economic shifts we are seeing in the world today. Since the 1944 Bretton Woods Conference, the US dollar has dominated international trade. It has been the global reserve currency. And since the 1970s, as we'll talk about later in this analysis, Saudi Arabia had an agreement with the United States where it would sell its oil in dollars. But the geopolitical winds are moving in a new direction. China now has the largest economy in the world when you measure its GDP using purchasing power parity, which is a much better metric. Since 2017, Beijing overtook Washington and has the world's largest economy. China is the largest trading partner of many oil producers like Saudi Arabia. And the new Cold War that the United States is waging on China has put many countries around the world, even longtime allies like Saudi Arabia, in a difficult situation where they're trying to maintain good relations with both sides. And today I'm going to be talking about the extremely important geopolitical and economic repercussions and implications of the diplomatic negotiations going on between the U.S., and Saudi Arabia involving China, involving Russia, involving Israel, and much more. One of the main ways in which the United States has maintained its currency, the dollar, as the global reserve currency over many decades is through the petrodollar system. What does that mean? It means that the vast majority of oil sales in the world are priced in dollars. This means that if you're a country that doesn't have oil and you need to import oil, usually, almost always, you need to get access to dollars in order to pay for that oil. 
And because so many countries around the world rely on importing oil and other commodities, that means they need a lot of dollars. That maintains international demand for the dollar, which helps to stabilize the dollar system. And it also allows the United States to maintain a massive trade deficit with the rest of the world. It allows the United States to import and import and import much more than it exports. One of the key players in this petrodollar system is Saudi Arabia. For decades, Saudi Arabia has been one of the world's largest oil producers. Saudi Arabia also plays an important leadership role in OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. And historically, Saudi Arabia's state-owned oil company, Saudi Aramco, has increased or decreased production in order to change the price of oil on the global market. As of 2022, it was the second largest oil producer in the world, representing 12% of global oil production. And actually, in first place was the United States, representing 20% of global oil production. It was the Barack Obama administration that massively increased oil and gas production in the U.S. You know, I, I know we're an oil country and uh, we need American energy. And, and by the way, uh, American energy production, uh, you wouldn't always know it. Uh, uh, but, you know, it went up every year I was president. Um, and, you know, that whole... Suddenly, America's like the biggest oil producer and the biggest guy. Uh, that was me, people. I just want you to. <laughs> so, so, uh, <laughs> it's a little like, you know, sometimes you go to Wall Street and folks would be grumbling about anti-business. I said, have you checked where your stocks were when I came in office and where they are now? What, what are you talking? What are you complaining about? Just say thank you, please. And those policies have been maintained under Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Also, by the way, Russia is the world's third largest producer of oil, representing around 11% of global crude production. Although, of course, the U.S. has been waging a new Cold War on Russia. So the U.S. realistically is not going to be able to negotiate oil prices in the global market with Russia. But... Washington frequently negotiates with Riyadh and tries to pressure it to either decrease production or increase production when the United States wants to change the price of oil on the global market. In fact, in the past year, we saw a prime example of this with the inflation crisis in 2022. This was caused by a variety of factors, including the proxy war in Ukraine, the Western sanctions on Russia, one of the world's biggest producers of oil and other commodities, and also because of supply chain shocks when the world was coming out of the pandemic and reactivating economies. And in an attempt to decrease the inflation in the United States, President Joe Biden visited Saudi Arabia in July 2022 and he tried to pressure Riyadh to increase oil production, which would increase the supply of oil in the global market and would potentially lead to a decrease in global oil prices. And because an increase in oil prices often leads to an increase in consumer price inflation, this was a way for the U.S. to try to reduce inflation. And not only did Saudi Arabia say no, 
Not only did Saudi Arabia refuse to increase production to help decrease inflation, Saudi Arabia decreased production, which increased the price of oil on the global market. So what we've seen in the past few years is as the United States and Saudi Arabia, as their historic relationship has been weakening, we've seen that actually Saudi Arabia is going against what Washington wants. And there have even been reports that Saudi Arabia is considering pricing its oil in other currencies, primarily China's currency, the renminbi. Now, earlier I mentioned a Wall Street Journal report that reveals that the United States is pressuring Saudi Arabia to continue selling its oil only in dollars, not in China's currency, the renminbi. This is part of an article that's actually about diplomatic negotiations largely involving Israel, at least ostensibly, although it's actually much more about China. And this article is titled, Saudis Agree with U.S. on Path to Normalize Kingdom's Ties with Israel. Although I think if you read the article, you'll see that the headline is actually a bit misleading. So let's take a look here. The report states that the U.S. and Saudi Arabia have agreed on the broad contours of a deal for Saudi Arabia to recognize Israel in exchange for concessions to the Palestinians. Although, again, if you read through the article, you'll see that that is really exaggerating. However, the fact that they're even discussing this is a major betrayal to the Palestinian people. Historically, Saudi Arabia has claimed to support the Palestinian struggle against Israeli colonialism. And today, millions of Palestinians live under a system of brutal apartheid. The fact that this is an apartheid regime is not even controversial. It's an objective fact. I mean, many people have been saying this for years, but even the mainstream Western human rights organization, Amnesty International, which is very biased in the interest of the West, even they have admitted that Israeli authorities must be held accountable for committing the crime of apartheid against Palestinians. I actually talked about the implications of this amnesty report with friend of the show, Ali Abu Nima, a great Palestinian-American journalist. I will link to the video in the description below of our discussion of how Israel is an apartheid regime. But anyway, any country that is willing to normalize relations and support this apartheid regime is clearly abandoning the Palestinian people. And the fact that Saudi Arabia is, con is considering this shows that they've never really been committed to defending the Palestinian cause, committed to fighting against Israeli colonialism backed by the Western powers. This is not something new, but what did happen is under U.S. President Donald Trump in the so-called Abraham Accords, Washington pressured the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain to normalize relations with apartheid Israel. And now the Biden administration is pressuring Saudi Arabia to do the same. However, if you read this report from the Wall Street Journal, you can see that a big part of these negotiations that are ostensibly about Israel-Palestine is actually involving China and Washington's attempt to cut off Saudi-Chinese relations. Now, the article reveals that Saudi Arabia wants help from the United States in order to develop a nuclear program. And ostensibly, this is a civilian nuclear program for nuclear energy. But we all know that 
Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, has expressed interest in having nuclear weapons. He wants Saudi Arabia to be a more significant power, and he thinks that getting nukes is going to help him. So essentially, the U.S. is helping Saudi Arabia move toward getting nuclear weapons. And in return, the United States is pressuring Saudi Arabia to reduce its growing relations with China. According to the newspaper, the Biden administration has three main demands for Saudi Arabia in these negotiations, ostensibly about Israel, but actually about China. First of all, the United States wants to assure that Saudi Arabia will never allow China to build a military base in the kingdom. Second of all, the U.S. is trying to pressure Saudi Arabia to cut its ties to Chinese tech companies. Specifically, it wants Saudi to cut its relations with Huawei, the major Chinese tech company. This is part of Washington's tech war against Chinese firms. The U.S. has imposed sanctions blocking the export of technologies involving semiconductors and quantum computing parts and AI, artificial intelligence technology to China. So that's the second demand. And then the third, and I would argue most important demand revealed in this article is the U.S. wants assurances that Riyadh will only use U.S. dollars, not Chinese currency, the one, to price oil sales. I personally think this is probably the most important factor when you consider how crucial the petrodollar system is for maintaining U.S. economic hegemony and therefore U.S. political hegemony. And of course, this is exactly what U.S.-Saudi relations have been based on since the very beginning, going back to the famous visit by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, President FDR, on his last Valentine's Day, the 14th of February, 1945. He met with the Saudi king, Ibn Saud, in Egypt, off the coast in Great Bitter Lake, on the, the ship, the USS Quincy, and famously, the agreement was made where the United States would provide support for Saudi Arabia, would protect the kingdom, and in return, the kingdom would provide oil to the United States. Now, what this Wall Street Journal report really acknowledges, in addition to the fact that, you know, Saudi Arabia is considering betraying the Palestinians and recognizing apartheid Israel, and the fact that they're even willing to negotiate is preposterous because you can never trust the Israeli apartheid regime, especially right now with the far-right fanatic Benjamin Netanyahu back in power. I mean, the fact that they're even considering this is outrageous. But I actually think one of the more important revelations of this report is the fact that the United States, we have evidence that the United States is pressuring Saudi Arabia not to sell its oil in China's currency in Yuan. And it's an acknowledgement of how big of a threat de-dollarization is to U.S. economic hegemony. It's clear that Washington is very concerned about the growing relations between Beijing and Riyadh. And the reality is that Again, China is the world's largest economy when you measure it for purchasing power parity. It has been since 2017. And China is Saudi Arabia's largest trading partner. So it only makes sense for them to deepen their relations. 
Especially when you consider the fact that for a decade now, China has bought more oil from West Asia, from the Persian Gulf region, than even the United States. It's the largest purchaser of oil in the region. So why would Saudi Arabia sabotage its relationship with its largest customer, the largest purchaser of its exports? It doesn't make any sense. And I, I have no sympathy for the monarchy in Saudi Arabia. I, I do not. I think it's an awful political system, but it's also one where the people running it are rational. They are logical people and they're not going to cut off their arm in order to appease the United States. The reality is that the situation in the world economically and geopolitically has shifted drastically. It is no longer the 1940s. Saudi Arabia now has other countries it can do business with, like China, like Russia, like India, like Iran. And I'll talk about later the new diplomatic relations that China helped to negotiate between Saudi Arabia and Iran. The world is no longer the unipolar order dominated by the United States. So Washington keeps trying to pressure countries around the world to sabotage their relations with what is in many cases their largest trading partner, China. Today, there are more countries around the world whose largest trading partner is China than countries whose largest trading partner is the United States. And as the Chinese economy continues to grow year by year, and as the U.S. economy has stagnated, that situation is only going to continue to move in the direction of Beijing's advantage, not Washington's. Now, back in December 2022, China's President Xi Jinping took a historic trip to Saudi Arabia, and in Riyadh, he signed a series of agreements with the Arab League, and there were representatives from dozens of Arab countries there, and he also signed agreements with the Gulf Cooperation Council. And while in Saudi Arabia, President Xi made an incredible speech. He revealed that the countries had come to an agreement by which China would buy oil and gas from the Persian Gulf region using its own currency, renminbi, or the unit of the renminbi is the yuan. And I'm going to read here from a Reuters report from back in December. This is a quote from President Xi. China will continue to import large quantities of crude oil from GCC countries, expand imports of liquefied natural gas, strengthen cooperation in upstream oil and gas development, engineering services, storage, transportation, and refining, and make full use of the Shanghai Petroleum and Natural Gas Exchange as a platform to carry out Yuan settlement of oil and gas trade. That last line is the most important to carry out yuan settlement of oil and gas trade. This is a direct challenge to the petrodollar system on which the hegemony of the U.S. currency is based. Just a few weeks after she made those comments, there were similar remarks by Saudi Arabia's finance minister, and this is a report from the website oilprice.com titled, Saudi Arabia is open to discuss non-dollar oil trade settlements. So the finance minister made it, made it clear public for the first time that yes, Riyadh is considering the possibility, it is open to the possibility of pricing its oil in other currencies, not just the dollar. Although I do want to clarify that 
there has not been a public announcement of this happening. Thus far, it has really just been a debate going on. There have been some reports in the financial press in the West that Saudi Arabia is considering this. In fact, the Wall Street Journal published a report in March 2022 titled Saudi Arabia considers accepting yuan instead of dollars for Chinese oil sales. But again, these are just talks. They're just negotiations. We have not seen this happen yet. In fact, we, what we have seen is that the United Arab Emirates, a neighbor of Saudi Arabia in the Persian Gulf region, the UAE has actually sold natural gas, liquefied natural gas to China in Chinese yuan, and actually did it through a French company, Total Energy. So there is a precedent of this happening, and Saudi Arabia may do it. But thus far, there's been a lot of speculation. We don't really know what's going to happen. And the latest report from this August 2023 in the Wall Street Journal revealing that the U.S. is pressuring Saudi Arabia not to price its oil in yuan suggests that maybe there still is room for maneuvering here. This is something that's still up in the air. But again, the fact that there is even a discussion of this shows how significantly the global political and economic order has shifted just in the past few years. I mean, a decade ago, or at least 20 years ago, this would have been unimaginable. Now, earlier I mentioned that back in the 1970s, Saudi Arabia made an agreement with the US that it would sell its oil in dollars. This is the petrodollar system that was created. And this is not just a rumor. It's not just an urban myth or something. We have evidence of this. I'm going to look here at a report in Bloomberg, the business media outlet back in 2016, titled The Untold Story Behind Saudi Arabia's 41-Year U.S. Debt Secret. And it talks about in 1974, this is toward the end of the Richard Nixon administration, and the newly appointed U.S. Treasury Secretary, William Simon, took a trip to Saudi Arabia and he also did this in collaboration with Henry Kissinger, who, of course, was a top official overseeing foreign policy under Nixon. And the goal of this trip was to neutralize crude oil as an economic weapon and find a way to persuade Saudi Arabia to finance America's widening deficit with its newfound petrodollar wealth. That's what Bloomberg says. And... It notes that the basic framework of the agreement made was strikingly simple. The U.S. would buy oil from Saudi Arabia and provide the kingdom military aid and equipment. In return, the Saudis would plow billions of their petrodollar revenue back into treasuries, therefore financing America's spending. This point is absolutely crucial because the United States has been getting a free lunch for decades. We're often told that there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, the people who say that don't have an empire. The U.S. has an empire it uses to give itself a free lunch. The reality is, is that most countries around the world, if they maintain a constant current account deficit, that is a trade deficit with the rest of the world, if they're constantly importing more than they're exporting, what that does is it devalues their currency in relation to the currency they use to pay for those imports, which is usually dollars. So usually, if you're a country like Argentina and you're constantly importing oil and you have to get dollars, usually what that's, what's going to happen is 
With that constant current account deficit, your currency, say the Argentine peso, will depreciate, will devalue against the US dollar. So it helps strengthen the dollar and weaken your currency. And at least hypothetically, what you know economists often say, although it doesn't really end up working out this way, is what this does over time is it will devalue your currency. And that what that does is it makes imports more expensive because you have to get the foreign currency to pay for imports, but it's harder to get the foreign currency because your currency has depreciated against it. So over time, imports become more expensive, but also exports become less expensive. So you become more competitive. So over time, hypothetically, it will increase the competitiveness of your country's exports and it will help balance your trade. However, that's actually not what happens for a variety of reasons, largely because economics doesn't work like like we're told in you know the neoclassical textbooks where everything is based solely on utility maximization and supply and demand and there are no market failures and everyone is a perfectly rational agent who never acts irrationally. Anyway, whatever. The point is, is that the United States has maintained a massive current account deficit, a massive world historic trade deficit. So in the 1970s, largely because of US military spending on the Vietnam War to maintain its empire of bases around the world, the US began having a current account deficit and it grew and it grew in the 1980s drastically and it continued growing and it continued growing and it skyrocketed in the 2000s. And today it is just massive. We're talking about a current account deficit in 2022 of nearly $1 trillion. I repeat, nearly $1 trillion. And for most countries, for almost every country on earth, if they were to maintain a massive current account deficit like this, it would lead to a significant devaluation of their currency. But the dollar hasn't significantly devalued. And why is that? Well, there are a variety of reasons. One is simply because of the power of the US military, which can threaten any country around the world that tries to de-dollarize and overthrow their government. That was a factor in the wars against Libya, against Iraq, against other countries. So that's certainly one factor. Another significant factor is simply that the US has open capital markets and a lot of ways to invest in U.S. corporations, in the stock market, in U.S. treasuries, which are seen as very secure and stable, largely because the U.S. has this massive empire and it can you know, overthrow any foreign country. So it's seen as the most stable currency. And there's a psychological element because people believe the dollar is the most stable currency. They hold their wealth in dollars and in U.S. Treasury securities, dollars denominated assets. And the psychological element, because they believe it's stable and investors invest in it, that actually makes it stable. So a huge part of this is actually just political and psychological. But finally, another very significant factor in maintaining the hegemony of the U.S. dollar, the stability of the U.S. dollar in allowing the United States to maintain these massive current account deficits over many decades is precisely because of the petrodollar system, because so much international trade involves the U.S. dollar, because countries that import primary goods, commodities like oil and gas and foodstuffs and minerals, 
they often have to get dollars in order to pay for those imports that maintains an artificial demand all around the world for dollars, which helps to finance the U.S. current account deficit. So the U.S. is sucking in wealth from all over the world and no other country could do it. So the point is, is that oil plays a key role in this system. This is the system of imperialism and Saudi Arabia particularly plays a central role of maintaining the hegemony of the U.S. dollar at the heart of the imperialist world system of which Wall Street is the center, of which the United States is the center. So that's why today I wanted to talk about this very interesting development, this historic development where Saudi Arabia is considering potentially selling its oil in other currencies and clearly the United States is very concerned about this. That's why Washington is demanding that Riyadh not price its oil in Chinese yuan as part of negotiations ostensibly over Israel, not China. But as we see, we're in a new Cold War and pretty much everything the U.S. does today is all aimed at trying to weaken China. Welcome to Cold War Two. And here at Geopolitical Economy Report, this is exactly what we analyze every single week, talking about the new Cold War, the geopolitical and economic implications. I'm Ben Norton, the editor-in-chief. If you like this work, please subscribe on whatever platform you're watching or listening on. Every video has a podcast version, and if you're watching the videos on YouTube, please subscribe to help promote our material in the algorithm. And really, if you if you like our work, the best thing you can do is you can donate. Please consider helping to sustain our work. You can go to geopoliticaleconomy.com slash support. And there are several different ways you can donate. The best way is you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy to help sustain the original journalism and analysis that we do here. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. I'll see you next time.